Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. everybody welcome to another chapter of the book of Sean's good to see you thank you for tuning in I have a great show for you tonight one of the things that I love that we're doing in this season is catching up with some guests who've been here before men and women who have had amazing experiences on the show and who have really had amazing transformations these are the guests who walked away and you could tell immediately when the show ended, they were not the same people when the show started. Yeah, I love talking to people who are ready and willing to grow, to listen and to transform because that's what greatness is all about. See, if being who you are now was the key to being great, you'd be great already. <laughs> the fact of the matter is sometimes greatness is just beyond our reach. And every now and then, we need somebody who can coach us through it, talk us through it, get, a, get us there. My guest tonight is a friend of the show. I'm glad to have her back. Welcome to the show tonight, the one and only Madison Chase. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Dr. Sean. Miss Madison, how you doing? I am fantastic. How are you? Um, listen, today was a good day. All things considered, I'm so happy to have you back. You were one of our favorite guests because of the transformation and the really emotional moment that we had on the show together. And I just, first of all, I honor people who can come on television and just be authentic and real, and they wind up growing when they didn't even mean to do it. <laughs> and I'm, right. I remember our conversation, I, in fact, I remember the point in our conversation where I sort of challenged you to expand your list, right? To add some more things to your sense of the perfect guy. We're gonna talk about that in a second, but let me ask you this. Um, the last time you were here, dating was a complicated endeavor, right? finding someone or even trying to adjudicate what you liked. Um, so tell me, how has it been? How has dating been and how has determining what you want been since the last time you were here? So dating for me and how has it changed since our conversation and the life changing light bulb moment that went off for me, uh, I got off of the dating app that I was on and I gave myself a time limit. I was like, you know what? I'm taking a 365 day from this app. I'm taking a break. Uh, so if we match, fantastic. But I'm literally using it as kind of like a, a little experiment where I'm like, I'm going to use this as a lesson, like to, mm. you know, really challenge myself to meet people in real life, in real person. Like when I actually do events here, uh, you know, or go out, I'm asking friends. So it's changed. But I also opened myself up to adding the simple things that, you know, 16 year old Madison would have wanted, you know, the whole mm. hand uh, PDA and really taking myself out on dates and enjoying myself and enjoying my life. I'm, I'm doing that more and kind of leaving the dating apps in the dust, so to say. <laughs> wow. First of all, I'm so happy to hear all of that. Like I'm here for everything you just said, especially the expansion of what you require and how you are treating yourself, dating yourself, taking yourself out, being good to yourself and requiring that people express how they feel. Tell me this, um, and this just came to me. Why do you think so many women are willing to date men or whoever they're dating who won't show them affection? Um, I know for me, affection has to come at a, an appropriate time. Right. And mm. so I think 
what I realized in our conversation and conversations with my girlfriends and some of my guy friends is that what men will sometimes do, they'll manufacture and they'll speed up the time. Like, oh, we talked for four hours and you feel like, oh my goodness, he really likes me. He's really into me. And so they'll speed up this timetable and this interest when really you know, and they're manufacturing and gaslighting you mm. into thinking that there's really some interest. And so they kind of like bamboozle you into thinking that they're really into you. And so I think sometimes I'm a slow mover anyway, so it's not going to be that easy for me, you know, in terms of like getting to intimacy and like, I got to trust you. I got to meet your mama, your daddy, your cousin, mm. uh, three, uh, like I'm a hard, you know, I'm really going to make you work. Right. And so I think uh, I can't speak for those women who like get intimate really quickly. But for me and kind of the things that I've learned uh, is that men will sometimes manufacture and try to speed up the process so they can get to the intimacy. And me, I'm like, "Mm -mm, nope, not happening. It's going to take you a minute. I got to see you mad, angry, upset, stressed out. I need to see all of those emotions to make sure you're not going to call me out my name to make sure I don't do any of that. So uh I can't speak to that, Dr. Sean, because intimacy takes a long time for me. Well, listen, and that and that's wise. Here's, here's what I know. Men use emotion to get sex, and women will use sex to get emotion. Mm. Mm. <laughs> and the reality is both of us are lying. Yes. <laughs> you know, and how how in the world can you have something meaningful and lasting if we started out lying and started out playing games? So I love the fact that you are coming in with that clarity to say, I need to see some things. I need to know you better before I'm willing to, you know, give you access at that level. And you started doing this. So I'm going to encourage you to do a little more. Tell me specifically, like specifically in what ways when you go out on a date, let's let's hypothetically say you're on a okay. date right now. So we're on okay. a date. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you're on that mm-hmm. date. So hypothetically, mm-hmm. what things are you doing now that you weren't doing before on a date? I think now what I'm going to do when I do actually start dating, you know, however I meet someone, uh, for me, I'm going to start asking more intimate questions, right? Because for me, intimacy uh, starts with conversation, right? Right. And so that's what, go ahead. No, I'm saying right, right. Yeah. So that's one thing for sure. And and the other thing is I'm allowing, I think sometimes, especially here dating in Texas, because it is the Bible Belt, oftentimes people love to put on the table my religion or my faith or I love Jesus or I love, you know. They like to put that on the table to like either kind of lower your guard, like you love Jesus too? Okay, cool. And so I think there's this automatic kind of give like, oh, because we share the same faith that there is going to be this automatic trust. And so even with that, I'm like, I don't necessarily, that's nice, but let me see what your relationship with your faith really looks like. Let me see you walk that out before we get more serious. So that's one thing that I'm requiring. And then the other thing is asking more like serious questions and not doing activity kind of dates. Like one time I had an amazing date where we played golf. Golf, we're hitting the ball. Like it's very active. And then when we sat down to have dinner, it was like womp, 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 conversation. Like it was very awkward. It was a lot of awkward silences. So no more conversation, no more activity dates for me. Like let's sit down and have a conversation. Let's go to dinner. Let's go to lunch. Let's go to coffee. I want to talk to you because I'm a talker. And so I need someone who wants to talk and wants to listen. Yes. Madison, uh, hold on, hold on, hold on. Juan, are you listening to this? Because this is, this is good stuff. I mean, no, it is because I know so many people who let's go to the movies. Well, when you go to the movies, you can't talk. Let's go to a concert. Well, when you go to a concert, you can't get to know nobody. And as you say, let's go do miniature golf or golf. Well, we're hitting balls. We can't talk. So you, you're in the presence of someone, but you're not actually get to, getting to know them. Madison, if you were here, I'd give you a big old hug. You can give me a virtual one. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. No, it's fantastic. Juan, you better listen to this, man, okay? So, so 
I cut you off and I'm sorry, but I, I just had to celebrate that. Um, because I, I think a lot of people watching can learn from what you just said. Yeah. I'm still learning because you opened my eyes to a whole lot of things. Like my best friend from the sixth grade, she's the probably the one person that could really like make me think outside of my box and make me think like bigger and beyond myself. And so uh, she's probably the one person, shout out to Chanel, uh, that could really you know, like see me and then see where I want to grow to. And so we have these really hard conversations sometimes. Uh, and so I think for me, uh, dating, it has to be different. And I think sometimes to get something different, you got to do something different. Mm, and so yes. that's what I'm willing to do. And so it was hard, like getting off that dating app. I was like, I was kind of tempted. I was like, it's the end of January. It'll be all right. Uh, but it's almost <laughs> like a, a slight addiction because you're like, oh, I can meet people in different areas and I can meet people, you know, that I wouldn't otherwise meet. But my results have always been the same, right? Mm. Meeting people who are really, you know, probably have so many people that they're dating that they're really not interested. And if you're sleeping with women after the third date, that's not going to be me. So I think I was doing the same thing. So really getting off of something that was so, it feels easy. Uh, but I think the challenge is, you know, really meeting people in like real life. And I would generally meet people when I travel, I always tend to meet guys, but again, that's someone who is not uh, geographically desirable. And so it is someone who is kind of like not really available. Uh, and it's, that doesn't mean that I can't meet someone at the airport and then we start dating and they decide to move here. Or I move wherever they are. That doesn't mean that that's not possible, but it hasn't happened for me that way. So I'm like, let me concentrate on where I am. Let me concentrate on meeting people when I'm out and about. Because when I mm. lived in L.A., I would meet people. I met somebody on the highway one time, you know, in traffic. Uh, I met somebody at the gas station. I met like, so I would meet people in the malls. So like, it could be the same thing, but, you know, really meeting people through people, I think is kind of how I'm going to expand, you know, my, my options. In but you know, you know, Madison, because expand your conversation on this, because I think you can help okay. women tonight in some very important ways. Give us, because you've already given us a couple, but give us a couple of more examples of how women can meet men where they are. Like, not online, not in the digital space, but in real life. Uh, for me, it's going like, so I live in a certain part of town, right? So now I'm like, let me see what it's like. You know, I just reconnected with my sister and she lives, you know, like 45 minutes away. So I'm like, let me get cute and let me go to uh, a restaurant, a cute little restaurant, or let me go to places that I like to shop. Let me go to like, I'm vegan. And so I can't always meet vegan. So I'm like, let me go to a place that's vegan friendly. So I'll get outside of my normal routine of what I normally do, you know, and I just started uh, a new position. So, you know, meeting someone at work. So I just make sure whenever I leave, I know my friends have like, I'm going to run errand clothes. I'm like, mm -mm, just as much, as long as it took you to put on your running errand clothes, you could be cute and act like, like dress up for yourself, put on perfume for yourself, you know, get mm. your nails done for yourself. So I think that that's something else that I'm doing. Like whenever I leave the house, the possibilities of meeting someone anywhere and everywhere. I love playing golf. Uh, I said I was going to start taking archery. I was like, oh, archery, that sounds cool. So I'm doing fun things that I want to do because uh, I used to always meet people in the place that I frequent. Right. So I would meet tons of guys in the gym. But then that gave me the same kind of result in terms mm. of, you know, the outcome because they see me in certain kinds of clothes and I'm generally very conservative uh, because I don't want you to see this. I want you to see this. And so, you know, for me, meeting guys in the gym, the outcome would generally be the same. And so I was like, let me get out of that mode. So when I do go to the gym, I'm completely like covered up because I'm like, I don't want you to see that I want you to see this. Yeah, yeah. Know. You want you want people to encounter you at the level that you actually live at. Let me ask you this. Yeah. Give me a short answer to this, because because mm -hmm. there's another thing I want to ask you. Okay. Um, what's the best thing about analog, real life relationships that make them better than digital ones? Man, I think analog 
relationships in real life are better because in the digital world, there's way too many options. Uh, and so I think when you're meeting people face to face, there is an instant connection and chemistry that you don't have to try to manufacture, that you have to try to manufacture online. Yeah. And to, what, to which I would add that if all you're doing is texting somebody and messaging yeah. somebody, you don't know them. You've never actually had a conversation. Uh, to yes. me, there is no, Juan, I know you don't agree. But I'm telling you, there is no substitute for actually seeing somebody's mouth move. <laughs> All right, let me ask you this. You, you, a little birdie told me that yes. you've changed what you pray for. Um, mm -hmm. Talk about that. Um, you know, for me, my prayer life used to be this, this list, right? The list of, you know, what I wanted. Um, uh, but in terms of what I want now, it has expanded based on our conversation in terms of like the little things, right? But instead of praying for the man, I'm praying for not the person, um, the list, but I'm praying for the, the qualities. I'm, I'm praying mm. for the, the character of his heart. I'm praying for uh, someone who wants to serve because one thing that I realized in talking to my friends, like, uh, you know, that have healthy relationships, a healthy relationship is based on me out serving you. Like I want to serve you. And so there's a reciprocity uh, in that. So my, my prayer life has definitely changed in terms of what I want. And I never thought to pray for those little things that I wanted when I was 16. Uh, and, and that's still a possibility because if I believe in God the way that I say that I do, he'll take care of that too. Listen, I got to take a break, but I'm here for all of that. See, this is why <laughs> I do this show, people. This right here. This is a different Madison, totally different Madison, different approach, different perspective, and different outcomes and results. We'll be right back with more. I got some raunchy questions I'm going to ask her later, okay? Because this ain't going to all be deep and spiritual. We're going to get <laughs> ratchet for the end of the show. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody. So for all of you who are dating photos of other people on Instagram and Facebook and videos of them on TikTok, Tonight's show is all about the fact that it's so much better to date people in actual life. <laughs> Somebody laying next to you or sitting across from you is better than a damn photo and a message. Anyway, Madison, I had to get that out. <laughs> Thank so you me, for getting that out. Yes, because I think it's so important. I'm so, I listen, I'm so sick of giving people advice who are, who think they're in relationships in their mind but by the standards of what makes a relationship real, they're not actually in a relationship. But anyway, so the last time you were here, you had your list and you've, you've, you've hinted towards it, but I'm gonna directly ask you so that people can compare the videos. <laughs> <laughs> Give me your list of what the perfect man might be for you. My list is a man who wants to have intimate conversation. Love it. Uh, that's thing number one. A man who is willing to be vulnerable with me. Love uh, it. A man who wants to hold my hand in public and kiss my forehead and hold the, the uh, you know, lead me by the, the my back, you know, the small of my back with his hand. The man who wants to protect me. A man who loves his mama. Uh, a man who uh, wants to be fun and silly and, and goofy and, and chatty and uh, a man who could do all of the other things that I had on my list originally. But those are the ones that I added uh, for sure. And a man who wants to, you know, make love to me and not, uh, 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 not that. Um, <laughs> yes, Madison. Yes. Uh, keep it yeah. real. <laughs> yes. We need to have you on the show every week. <laughs> yes, I loved it. Um, that's the short version of the list. You know, it's much longer, but yeah, that's the short version. I know we don't have all the time, but. But 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 here's what I love about that list. I mean, as a guy, none of that is unrealistic. None of that is yeah. unreasonable. I have people yeah. come on this show and they give the most unrealistic answers to that question. What they want a guy <laughs> to have, you know, 401k. <laughs> they want them to, right. I mean, 
And a lot of what they say has nothing to do with a great relationship. And then a lot of it is just unrealistic, right? Right. I mean, you really have to be dating someone who is emotionally advanced. What you are asking for is like just some basic stuff. Hold my hand, want to talk to me, want to make love to me, (laughs) instead of just caring about your own little rocks. You know, yes, listen. All right, let let me ask you this. So tell me something about yourself that you're still working on to make yourself ready for what you pray for? The thing that I'm working on to help me prepare for my life partner is I have a tendency when I get upset or I'm in my feelings, I will like shut down and process, right? Mm. So one of the things that I'm working on is how do I be responsible for my part? And then how do I communicate that in love and not anger and frustration and not be the lion and be more of the lamb and be curious, right? Because he may not even realize because oftentimes what I would do, I would have these expectations and I wouldn't communicate them, but I'm just expecting you to know that that's my expectation. And so I would communicate out of this expectation that I never communicated uh, and so that would create some frustration because I was expecting you to know. But then when I finally communicated, because I built up this thing, like you should know A, B and C and D. So that's the thing that I'm working on for myself is to not communicate out of frustration and make sure that whenever I am communicating, I start with myself, like the thing that I could be responsible for and not what you should do or what I think you should do or what I didn't think you did. So uh, it's really being responsible for myself and communicating out of curiosity and love and not uh, accusation and, you know, expectation. Yeah, no, that's great. That, That really is a great, great answer that more people should employ. Um, but, and I'm not really here to give advice tonight, but I'm gonna give you some, yeah. okay? Yes, please, oh, I'm open. Um, do you know how to have maximum success in an area of personal weakness? Do you have any idea how to do that? Mm, no, I don't. Okay, have. great, that gives me a chance <laughs> to tell you. Cause if you had the answer, <laughs> I just let you say it. All right, so here it is. The, max, the, the way to have maximum success in an area of personal weakness is to employ towards yourself grace and Mm. forgiveness. Mm. So every time you mess up, you have the first response has to be grace and forgiveness with respect to yourself. You have to Mm. forgive yourself right away and and speak to yourself with kindness. So let's say Mm -hmm. I do something that I'm, I'm trying not to do anymore. You have to, I have to say, Sean, you know what? I forgive you. I forgive you. And I understand why you did that. I know mm-hmm. all the years that you had to act a certain way. You had to be a certain person. I understand how the world has treated you. And Sean, I want you to know that while I don't agree with what you said, I still love you. I still embrace you. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, that's beautiful. Give yeah. yourself the same grace and kindness you would want if someone were doing something to you that Absolutely. you weren't necessarily. Yeah, I love that. And that's how you have maximum growth in the area of weakness because you can't grow and condemn yourself. Doesn't happen. Yeah. Oh, oh, that's good. Doesn't happen. Doesn't happen. All right, all right. So, so listen. This is this is such a great update. You know, I am, I am, I am. You, Having guests on like you, it really makes, you know, Trina and Tanisha and Jocelyn and I, it makes all of us happy to do this show um, because your growth is just amazing. Um, So real quick, I got two more things I'm gonna do with you. Um, Your husband may be watching, okay? He may be out there watching right now. So give us some of your best qualities that any man who comes into your life He's going to be in the presence of this kind of vibe, this kind of sunshine. What are they? I I think my best quality is I am resourceful and I find the good and make it greater. Mm. Uh, I am the Michelle to anybody's Barack. Come on. Come on, Madison. (laughs) Come on. And, you know, I think I've had a lot of practice because I naturally do it for my friends. Right. And I'm very loyal. 
uh, and when, you know, I see that someone is going above and beyond for me, it makes me give them the world. So I think uh, dating me is essentially you, you're going to get the world and you're going to get uh, a lot of things. I'm good at a lot of things. Mm. I wear a lot of hats and people are like, you're just you're this. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I do a lot of things and I've, I've been doing a lot of things for a really long time. And so uh, and even I've been very, um, very stingy in terms of giving myself fully to someone. So uh, I can't wait to have the opportunity to be with the one person that I want to fully and 100 percent give myself to, you know, not just my body, but my mind, my spirit, the whole thing. And so uh, I think people think because I am so kind of cautious about giving the whole my whole self to someone, uh, the person who does get that, you know, it's going to be amazing for you. <laughs> yes. Madison, did you hear that one? That's what I'm talking about. I am Michelle to anybody's Obama. Listen, and you know, and you know what that says. If you ain't ready to be Obama, don't call me. <laughs> if you want to be mediocre, not your girl. All right, let's do this. I'm let on this show, one of the things I like to do is a little something we call get ready highly. Here's what doesn't make sense. <laughs> okay. Highly on it. All right. So I'm going to give you some options. You tell me which one you would prefer. Some of these are a little ratchet, and some of these are, you know, more, a little more thoughtful. We're going to start okay. with the ratchet. Which would you rather ratchet. have? Which would you rather okay. have in a man? Which would you rather have in a man? A okay. large penis or a big heart? Oh, um... <laughs> I would say, um, tell the truth and shame big, the devil. <laughs> a big heart. Really? Yes. Okay. Let's keep going. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say something else, but I, I'm okay I with know. Because here's the thing you could do a lot with other parts. Well, go ahead. <laughs> no, I don't know what you're talking about. Say more. <laughs> I, I'm just saying, like, sometimes it's not the, 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 you know, the yeah. thing is the like, how in tune are you with my body, right? Like there's so many other things before you get to that thing. Okay, uh, okay, Madison, yeah. I love yeah. that. All right, all right, so which <laughs> would you rather have? Security or adventure? I always ask me for this question. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Oh, uh, you want me to think fast, huh? These folks yes. be rapid fire. Uh, adventure. Adventure, okay. Which would you rather have? A house surrounded by family and friends or a home with just you and your husband and y'all madly in love? Ooh. I know. I know. That's a hard I one. Know, I'm going to say, know. oh, you said what the first one is. A house, uh, a house surrounded by family and friends or a home with just you and your husband madly in love? Ooh. If my mama can come, I'm gonna pick the second one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, which would you rather have? A light-skinned man with light eyes and curly hair or a dark-skinned man with the body of an African king? Shaka Zulu, give him to me. <laughs> I love I'm Shaka all day. Which would you rather have? A tall man or a man of average height? A tall man. Which would you rather have? A weekend in the Caribbean or a shopping spree in New York City? Ooh, um, I would give the experience because I could shop for myself. Okay, which would you rather have? A billion dollar business or a once in a lifetime romance and love story? A billion dollar business because I could find romance on the billion dollar business. <laughs> Listen. I think that's my answer, too. Which would you rather have? Someone who makes you laugh or someone who makes you think? Someone who makes me laugh. Because in order to make me laugh, you got to be smart. So you're going to make me think. All right. Which would you rather have? I got two more. Which would you rather have? Your own TV show on daytime TV or 20 million followers on TikTok and Instagram, respectively? I would say the first one. Yeah, me too. The show. Give me the show. <laughs> Give me the show. All right. Which would yeah. you rather have? 
the ability to fly or the ability to read people's minds? The ability to read people's minds. Me too. Here's the last one. Which would you rather have? A best-selling book that you wrote or a popular documentary made about your life on Netflix? <laughs> wow. Um, I would go with the, the Netflix. Um, yeah, I would go All with right. Netflix. Here's my last one. Which would you rather have? Win the lottery that makes you a multimillionaire or start a business that does the same thing? Start a business. I want to win the lottery. Yeah. Well, yeah, you're right. That's, I changed that. Win the yeah. lottery because then I can start the business with the yeah, lottery. Come on here. Listen, yeah. Madison, I got to let you go. I'm way over time. But God bless you, my sister. I wish you all the love you can handle. And I'm so Thank glad you. to see where you are. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, she's such a sweetie. Isn't she amazing? <laughs> all right, everybody. When we come back, I learned some things from Madison. I'm going to share them with you in our aha moment right after this. Welcome back, everybody. I learned some things from talking to Madison that I want to share with you in a little segment we call aha moments. So one of the powerful things, first of all, how could you not be happy for her, right? The amount of growth and improvement that I see in her is what I wish for everybody who comes on this show and everybody that I encounter, <clears throat> that we all grow, that we all become better versions of ourselves and are able to tap into different parts of who we are and what we want. But the powerful thing that Madison said, and I don't even know if she realized how powerful it was, was when she said, and I'm paraphrasing, that she's making decisions that would honor her 16-year-old self. And now she's not just choosing based upon who she is now or what she wants now, but she's choosing and making decisions and adjudicating the rest of her life based upon what would honor the little girl in her. So only do those things that honor the kid in you because it's the kid in all of us that had to survive what we went through for us to become exactly who we are now. And when you make decisions that honor your inner child, those decisions are probably the right ones because anything rooted in honor and self-respect will always come out on the other end with the consequences and results that you deserve. For all of us, myself included, the next time you have to decide something important, make sure you ask yourself, what would the 13-year-old, 15-year-old me expect of me in this situation and what would honor that little boy or that little girl now see when you do that when you think of it that way and respond that way you're more likely to respond in a way that is congruent in line with rooted in who you really are and not the moment you happen to be responding to because a great decision is not a response to the moment a great decision is a decision that you make from your soul. <laughs> I love this show. Let's do some Ask Dr. Sean, people. All right, you guys always send me great videos. So take a look at this one. Hi, Dr. Sean, my name is Tawani Holmes, and I have a question for you. As I maneuver single life post COVID, I've been hearing a lot about feminine energy. And I wanted to know from a man's perspective, how would you define feminine energy? What attributes would I need to display that would be considered as feminine energy? All right, um, interesting question, and I thank you for it. I honored the question even if my answer may not sound like I do. <laughs> because I can give you no insight into feminine energy. I can give you no insight into what it is comprised of or what makes it uh, magical and what allows it to cast a spell over men or whomever it is you're trying to cast the magical spell of femininity over. Um, and I can't even tell you what most men want because every man is different. Right? Every man is different. Every man's taste, what he expects and wants from a woman, what draws him, attracts him about a woman, it's different. No two men are the same when it comes to things that are not physical, okay? 
Now, you can find a lot of guys to agree on the physicality that they want. But to the energy, the spirit, the femininity, depends on the guy. Some guys like women who are, who are, let's say, I don't know, passive and accommodating and supportive. And some guys like women who are a bit more assertive. And just because you're assertive doesn't mean that you're not feminine. I'm just saying femininity is a very complicated subject. Content is just all over the place. But here's my real answer to your question. Rather than trying to figure out what it is that a guy might want or find attractive or desirable with respect to femininity, my best advice to you is to simply be yourself. Authenticity is the sexiest thing in the world. When you are truly who you are unapologetically with a sense of joy about it, you are literally the sexiest person in the room. And you ain't gotta be physically beautiful in the face, you ain't got to be shapely with the body, you know, and the big butt and the nice breasts, you know what I'm saying? And those things are wonderful. But if you are the most authentic and grounded and centered person in the room, you are far more sexy and far more beautiful than the beautiful one and the, and the one with the built body. Because a lot of people who look good are really insecure. A lot of people with great bodies constantly need affirmation. They're constantly measuring and comparing themselves to other people, trying to get more people to validate them and tell them how wonderful they are. But the one who walks in the room like she has oil wells pumping in her backyard, come on, Maya Angelou. The one that walks in the room like she has diamonds in her back pocket, come on, Maya Angelou. That's the one who's sexy. That's the one who's going to draw people to her who are equal to her, who have the same energy and the same focus and the same power. So just be authentic, just be yourself. And don't worry about what a man is attracted to or not attracted to. What we're all attracted to, men and women, are people who know who they are, who love who they are, and are proud to be it. Come on here. We'll be right back with more Ask Dr. Shard right after this. Hey everybody, um, I'm still ranting about that last question about feminine energy. And I'm so ranting about it because I think it's so much more important that a woman knows what she wants rather than what a man desires. Because you are not a passive participant in the selection or the maintenance or the building of a relationship. Just becoming what a man wants <clears throat> does not make it a good situation. I think every woman and every man too should know what it is you want. And then you make decisions based upon that. Let people meet you at the level of what you truly desire. And you stand a much greater chance of actually getting some of the things that you hope for. That was good. All right, I'm done ranting. Someone emailed me this question and uh, here it is. I want to divorce my wife. I am unhappy in our marriage, but I don't want to break up our family. What is the best way to ask my wife for a divorce? <laughs> Okay, first of all, sir, you can't have it both ways, okay? You can't um, get divorced and then not break up your family. So you have, you're going to have to accept the reality that there's going to be rupture, there's going to be confrontation, and there's going to be a breakdown in the common and normal occurrence of your family patterns. But let me tell you something about those, three, those children that you mentioned. Because children would much rather see you and your wife happy and separate than they would to see you together and miserable. Because when you're miserable, they're miserable too. And when you're happy, they're happy too. We think that we stay together for the kids, when the truth of the matter is, I've never counseled anybody to stay with anybody for the kids. Because the fact that you don't wanna be there is gonna come across to the kids. And you know who's gonna be affected by that energy, that spirit, that behavior? The kids. We think if we just live in the same house and the kids see us walking down the hall, that somehow children are not aware enough, not self-conscious enough to know when somebody really doesn't want to be there. They can pick up on your tone, they pick up on your spirit, and they pick up on your attitude. So if you really love your kids, then give them an opportunity to see you happy rather than see you make their mother miserable. And in this case, make yourself miserable by feeling obligated to stay with someone that you say you don't want to be with. You see, the best way to say to someone that you don't want to be with them is to give them 
a context and an understanding for why it's not working for you. For why the marriage, the relationship isn't working for you. You understand what I'm saying? If you just walk in and tell your wife, I don't want to be with you, well, then that does all the damage that could possibly be done. But if you walk in and say, these are the reasons and these, this is the place where I am because of those reasons, and I've drawn but one conclusion, that I don't want to be married. Oh, I don't want to be married at this time, and I'm not totally committed to the idea of being married to you. The one thing you shouldn't do is lie. The one thing you shouldn't do is obfuscate. The one thing you shouldn't do is avoid the truth. It may be a difficult truth for her to hear, but in the, at the end of the day, years from now, she will thank you for having the courage to be bald-faced in honesty and to give her what she needed, which is the truth. Because in situations where there's about to be a change, the truth is the thing that matters the most. Good luck with that. But please understand staying when you don't want to be there is a recipe to ruin everybody's life. All right, somebody sent me a video. Let's take a look at this video sent to me by Isaiah. Hey, Dr. Sean, I'm Isaiah and I need some advice. Do you believe that allowing your 16 year old to go on unsupervised dates is too much freedom? Okay, um, no, I don't. I have sons and my sons were going on dates at 16 years old. Um, and I was not supervising them. Quite frankly, I think if your kid is 16 years old and you have to supervise them on a date, I'm not directing this to you specifically. I'm saying generally speaking, so don't be offended. But if your kid is 16 years old and you have to supervise their date, then something went wrong in the parenting. If, if I have to be in the room in order for you to act right at 16, then there's something I didn't do when you were 12, when you were nine. See, by the time they get to be teenagers, you have to have already put into them all of the moral whatever <laughs> that they need to make the right decisions in situations where making the right decision is crucial. My sons went on dates at 16 and 17 and all that. I didn't go on a date. I didn't even think about going on a date. I'm not going on a date with you and some little girl. You go on a date. And you practice all the things that I've been teaching you all these years. Yeah, at some point, you're going to have to trust your children. At some point, it's not about supervising them. It's about teaching them. You see, when you teach someone and you give them wisdom and insight and learning, they can be outside of the scope of your presence, but never be outside of the scope of your influence. See, even when your kids are not in your presence, they should still be under your influence. And that only happens when you teach when you give them wisdom and principles and scenarios. You see, what, what every parent should do, if you're concerned about how your kid would react, sit down with your kid over a meal or whatever it is and give them hypothetical situations. And just say, hey, so you're out on a date and you're doing this and this and this and that and that, what, what would you do? And just listen to the answers. And it'll give you a sense of who this person is. You know, because little, little Stevie may not be as innocent as you think. Or little Stevie may be a lot less malicious than you think. See, these are the conversations we need to have with our kids. Give your kid an opportunity to think through the situation before they end the situation. I did this all the time. I mean, I did it all the time with my sons. Give them scenarios and then let them give me advice. I would put the scenario on me and then let them give me advice on what I should do. And the more they gave me advice, it was actually them coming to terms with their own moral prescriptions that they would one day apply to themselves. My sons went to Morehouse College in Atlanta. Both of them went to Morehouse, graduated from Morehouse. I was up in Chicago. They were down in Atlanta. They weren't, I couldn't, I, look, what was I going to do? First, they grown. I understand you talking about 16 year old, but these two were grown, but I still wanted them under the scope of the influence of the things I tried to teach them. And every day for almost four years, well, not every day, but almost every day for four years, I would send them one text message and it would say, remember who you are. Remember who you are. Because I had done the work. I had created good human beings. I'm sure they made mistakes and they didn't do things right and a whole bunch of things happened. But at the end of the day, they came through it, they survived it, and they made better decisions than the initial decisions. That's all you can ask for. So no, 
16-year-old kid doesn't need to be chaperoned on a date. Now, a 13-year-old kid, absolutely. <laughs> I'm not even sure if a 13-year-old should be on a date. But anyway, trust what you've taught. And if you haven't taught enough, start doing some teaching now. All right, when we come back, we're going to do a little something we call Here's What Doesn't Make Sense right after this. Welcome back, everybody. Let's do some Here's What Doesn't Make Sense. So a federal judge has fined Donald Trump and his sorry lawyers <laughs> for a million dollars after the former president filed a lawsuit against Hillary Clinton and James Comey and other people for allegedly conspiring against him in the 2016 election. Trump's lawsuit, which was dismissed in September of last year, <clears throat> sought to acquire, gain, I don't know, get $70 million from Hillary Clinton and other people because, according to Trump, they allegedly tied him to Russia, which is ironic, don't you think? Since it wasn't Hillary Clinton that tied Donald Trump to Russia, it was Donald Trump that tied Donald Trump to Russia. But instead of giving this, getting rather the $70 million that he hoped for, apparently Donald Trump has been fined by the court and he will be paying the price for filing a frivolous lawsuit in the tune of $1 million. Now, Donald Trump has to pay the court a million dollars because that's what you have to do when you use the court system to embarrass people and to make mockeries of people for no reason. But the part of the story that doesn't make sense is the fact that Donald Trump won the 2016 election. He's suing people for an election that he won. <laughs> this man is so petty and malevolent that he can't even take a victory and then go somewhere and leave well enough alone. He can't even win with dignity and class and with a sense of, you know, competence. No, he treats his victories much like he treats his losses. See, there's something really wrong with somebody who can't even win with dignity. I understand how you might lose your stuff when you, when you lose, but when you lose your stuff when you win, we have a problem. See, beloved, when your victories are just as messy as your defeats, then the problem isn't Hillary Clinton. And the problem isn't James Comey. And the problem isn't anybody other than you. Whenever your victories are as messy as your defeats, you're the one with the problem. <laughs> everybody in today's world and social media culture, we like to blame everybody else for what's going on in our lives. We give everybody the fault and everybody, we put everybody else accountable. I'm this way because somebody didn't do this and this happened to me because somebody did this to me. And we all have experiences of pain and trauma and all of that. But when all of your relationships end up the same way, and when all of your situations turn sour in the same amount of time, the problem isn't them. The problem is you. And every now and then, you got to have enough courage to take a long look at yourself in a long, full-length mirror and to be honest about what you see, how you're behaving, and who you are. You see, beloved, when it's all said and done, if we're not honest with ourselves, then honesty with other people don't matter. And uh, if you want to take a lesson from this, don't bring frivolous lawsuits, okay? Because you end up turning a victory into something you're trying to forget. All right, let's move on. Let's talk about the Bruce family. So let me tell you a story, children. Once upon a time, there was a black family known as the Bruce family who owned a beachfront property known as Bruce Beach. But the family had their land seized by Los Angeles County through a process called eminent domain. And after years of battling with the county and the city of Los Angeles, the Bruce family found, finally rather found a way to reclaim their land. And the Bruce family was able to win their land back and they righted a wrong that had been inflicted upon the family since the Jim Crow era. Yes. But recently, listen to me, it was announced that the Bruce family has decided to sell the land that they won in court back to the county and the city of Los Angeles for the sum of $20 million. The Bruce family purchased the land in 1912 
for $1,225. So getting a 20 million, so getting tipped 20 million dollars for the land is a significant profit, no doubt about it. And in published reports, the family went on to say that they were selling the land for the $20 million uh, because they wanted to do what was, in, what was in the best interest of the financial security for the family. Totally get that. I totally understand that. I'm not, you know, poo-pooing on that at all. But can I just say, while I understand financial security and generational wealth, I think the part about this story that I don't quite understand is this. If Los Angeles County and the city of Los Angeles came and took the land from my family, and I spent years in court trying to get the land back, I don't think I would sell it back to the people that stole it. I'm not knocking the Bruce family, because I wasn't a part of the conversation, negotiation, maybe things I don't know. I'm just saying on general principle, you steal my land, I win it back in court, I'm not selling it back to you. Now, I may sell it to somebody else, but I ain't selling it to you. Quite frankly, I would have sold the land to a developer and probably got more money than $20 million. Because let's just say beachfront property ain't going down in value. Yeah, beachfront property is probably going up in value. I'm not telling the Bruce family what they should have done. No, I'm not here to do that. I'm simply saying Sean McMillan would have sold the land to, if I had to sell it to a developer, and then I would have told the developer, put something really ugly on the land. Just out of spite. But I'm definitely not selling the land back to the people that stole it from me. That's like calling the person who stole your car and asking them to pick you up from work at the end of the day. I'm not calling you. You stole my car. <laughs> you know, beloved, when it's all said and done, when you really think about it, it's not very often that black folks have the opportunity to make these kind of decisions. So I have grace and forgiveness and a sense of empathy for this family to make a difficult decision with respect to their wealth. And I just think on general principle that we shouldn't negotiate and make deals with people who steal from us. Generally speaking, not just with respect to this family, but overall, when somebody has the temerity to come into your life and take something from you, you should never then therefore go back and negotiate with them so that they can have possession of it again. Okay? Thank you for tuning in tonight. Amazing show. Y'all be good to each other, okay? And remember, I love you.